Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. I am super excited about this episode because It's not often that I do episodes with people that I don't know because I feel like you guys have come to expect the certain rapport and level of expertise and all of that from my guests. And so if I don't know someone, I'm a little like, "Hmm." but this woman I found on Instagram and I was like, she is cool. And this episode proves that like you can find people on the internet that you completely jive with and completely align with. So today I'm having a conversation with Dr. Shamala Kiru. And Dr. Shamala is a clinically trained relationship strategist and has spent the last two decades helping women improve the quality of their lives by transforming their relationships. Her mission is to help women show up as their best self in every arena of their life. She's the founder of the EQ Code, a high-touch coaching program designed to help high-performing women build lasting relationships. Shamila is also the founder of the Kiro Psychotherapy Clinic, a mental health practice dedicated to the entire family system. So Shamila and I kind of geeked out a little bit on emotional intelligence and communication styles. And really, you know how I get, I'm really not into surface level shit. I am into the deep, deep work. And Dr. Shamila Kiru is the real deal when it comes to doing the real work. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Shamila Kiru. Dr. Shamala, thank you so much for being here and for sharing Uh, your wisdom, your immense wisdom with us. Kate, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. I am too. So your specialty really is working with high performing women to transform their relationships. So what does that mean? What is a high performing woman? Yeah. Great, great question and great place to sort of dive in. So I, to give a bit of context and background to sort of how I landed with this particular specialty, I spent a couple of decades as a psychotherapist and as a couple and family therapist. So I was always intensely interested in the intersection between our, you know, sort of personal individual identity and how we show up in our relationships. I'd always been Mm. really, really interested in that and how our family of origin shapes our thinking, how our early relationships shape how we show up. And so after after practicing for so many years in that particular area, what I had noticed coming up again and again and again in my clinical practice is I noticed that I was working with these incredibly 
passionate, high-achieving, ambitious, driven, high-performing women. They were just Mm. executing Mm. at their fullest capacity in so many areas of their lives. Like these are the CEOs, the doctors, the lawyers, the entrepreneurs, right? Women who are really owning their space powerfully when it came to their professional identity. And what they were seeing me for in terms of clinical support is they would be sitting in my office saying, Shamla, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm, it's like I, I show up one way at work and a completely mm. different way at home. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't know where I go when I walk in that door. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the trend that I was seeing, Kate, over and over again was, you know, there's there's something about the way that we are wired as an ambitious, driven, high-performing woman that that sort of, you know, there's a way that we communicate. There's a way that we think. There's a way that we navigate our relationships that perhaps works really, really well in our professional setting, but something begins to unravel in our personal lives mm-hmm. um, when we don't sort of make that transition and make that shift. And so I, I mean, I was struggling with that myself. That was my personal story and my personal journey as well. And I was noticing this parallel journey happening with so many of my female clients. And so where I end, like long story short, after, you know, so many years of practice, I still have my psychotherapy clinic. I no longer see, see clients one-to-one there. I ended up developing a framework that I now use in my private coaching practice where I teach high-performing women how to really show up with courage and with integrity in their personal relationships. Mm, I love that. And I think it's so common for women. I mean, I think it's common for women, whether they're high-performing or not, right? That that we show up one way in the world and then we get into these intimate relationships and we don't know who we are. Mm -hmm. We have this sense of ourselves as being strong and powerful and truth tellers or go-getters, whether, you know, high performing or just like really cool kick-ass people. And yet our intimate relationships, we get into these intimate relationships where that's just, that just falls apart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so, I think it's so common, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so very common. And, and, and like I said, I think it was this interesting turning point for me. I, I'm a mom. I have an 11 year old at the time of us recording this episode. And it mm-hmm. was that transition for me when I became a mom was really difficult for me, right? Like I really struggled yeah, sure. to navigate that. And, and I was seeing that as a, as a common factor for so many of the women that I was working with is that these, these, these relational transitions that we can go through, right? Whether that is, I know with your audience, you are the go-to expert when it comes to surviving divorce, right? And we think about the the massive transition that that is and the massive transformation that Mm -hmm. one would undergo when you're working through something like that. And and yeah. i noticed time and time again that these tran- like these transitionary periods in our life really sort of co- like pull to the surface all those underlying issues that may have been getting us stuck mm. yes yes absolutely i think that's right all that fat rises to the mm. surface right yep. when we're going through something really really difficult now you have this, you have a, a framework that you work with women on. And I think it's a really, I think it's great. I think it touches really important points that so many women struggle with. And the first one mm-hmm. is 
about reprogramming your brain, which as a as a mm-hmm. complete neuroscience geek <laughs> gets me all yep. excited. So let's talk about that. Let's talk. And and why yes. is that important? Like why why do we need to reprogram our yeah. brains? Like what's wrong? <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's let me if I if I could Kate, let me just do a very quick overview of the framework. And then I want to answer your question because it's such a great, like why reprogram, right? So the, the, the framework that I, that I developed and that I consider to be sort of my signature methodology when when working with my clients is the first pillar of care is what I call Mm -hmm. mindset mastery. The second pillar of care is all around Mm -hmm. communication skills. And the third pillar of care is around relationship Mm -hmm. management skills. So to circle back to your question, you know, why reprogram our brain? What what's what, why is that so important when we think about a strategic framework for change in terms of how we navigate our relationships? Like why don't we just start with relationships? Why don't we just go to the heart of the matter and why don't you just teach me how to move through my relationships, right? It's and it's often a it's a question that I get asked hmm. quite often. The reason is because so much of how we see ourselves inside of our relationships started at a very, very young age. It started with very Mm -hmm. early programming, very, very early programming there. We all have a set of relationship templates that have been handed to us. We didn't choose them. We didn't ask for them. We didn't have a say in these relationship templates, they were simply downloaded to us from the, whatever Mm -hmm. our family of origin looked like. One parent, two parents, grandparents, it doesn't matter, right? Whatever family you grew up in, you know, you didn't choose it. But what happened is there were a set of relationship templates that were downloaded to your brain and your soul (laughs) and your heart, right? And, And we internalize all of this on a very subconscious level right? We internalize this, these templates, we take them in, we embody them. And this all happens on a, like mm-hmm. a cognitive level, right? Like our brain is programmed to navigate through our relationships in a particular yeah. way, you know, and I don't know about you, but most of my relationship templates were not optimized <laughs> or ideal. Mine Neither. Right? Like know, I just, and I want to, I want right. to, I want to pause this because I think this is important on two, on two levels for my audience. Right. Because in my, you know, with my audience, right. I'm also constantly talking about the templates that you're handing to your kids. And if you are in a toxic relationship that, and you're staying quote for the kids, you got to think about the template that you're handing to your kids as well. Right. And the That's reason it. that you're That's in the it. toxic relationship that you are in right now is because partially because of the template that you were handed. So this is where I always say that that the buck could stop with you. You can you can stop this yes. right now. And it's not just about yes. getting out of that relationship and not giving your kids that template. It's about doing the work on yourself to figure out what your templates are using your terminology so that you can stop it for yourself and also your kids. Yeah. You got it. And you know, like, Great. I'm just going to go there because yep. you you brought me there, Kate. <laughs> you brought me there. I'm going to jump in with that. And you know, the research is, is very, very clear. We know that children 
are incredibly resilient when it comes to separation and divorce. Children can absolutely survive and and thrive Mm -hmm. after separation and divorce. Where we really need to be aware of the impact in terms of their mental health is when children are raised inside a home where there are toxic relationship templates being modeled day in and day out. Amen, sister. Yep. I say it all the time. So this is the thing. Yep. Yeah. And I see, you know, the amount of women that I have, have worked with everyone that used to see me as a psychotherapist was like, well, you're a couple and family therapist. So does that mean I need to stay married? It's like, no, right? Like, no, (laughs) no, 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 that's not, that's not what it means, but it does mean that I, I, my expertise, my interest in is to really help you understand how to navigate your relationships well, regardless of where you land. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And so I think that's yeah, a really good totally. point that you made, right? About the the passing on mm-hmm. of templates. And that's absolutely what happens if we are not intentional about making the yes. changes that we desire. Amen. Amen, sister. So, okay. So, so we're, so we're starting with this mindset, right? And these templates, sorry, I kind of derailed you there for a second, yep. but so you're, so we, ha- we have to what we have to identify our templates. We have to rejigger them. Right? What's what's mm-hmm. that? That is the critical That's the one. That's the one. But you're absolutely right, right? Like we start by number one, just becoming hyper aware of mm-hmm. what those templates are. And the best way to become hyper aware of what those templates are is to really pay attention to when you're feeling really emotionally mm-hmm. stuck. When are you feeling Mm -hmm. triggered, right? What are those difficult relationship areas for you, right? What what are those hard conversations? What are those things that you avoid at all costs? Mm -hmm. Those are your triggers, right? And so we want to become hyper aware of where we're getting stuck. And once we have that level of awareness, we can begin to then reprogram our thinking reprogram our cognitive structure. We can begin to reprogram the way that we think about our relationships from a cognitive perspe- perspective before we even take any action, if that makes sense. It, it does. I think that's, and I think it's a, I think it's the, not the most, but one of the, one of the more important things to recognize is that looking at these things and identifying these things does not mean you immediately have to take action. That's First, it. you really have to sit with them right? In 12-step programs, there's a, there's a slogan called the three A's, right? Yep. Awareness, acceptance, and action. Mm-hmm. And you become aware of it. And then of course, the first thing you want to do is change it, That's right? Because exactly. <laughs> right? you're like, ew. But the second step in that is acceptance mm-hmm. to first sit in this discomfort, mm-hmm. to first be with this pattern, whatever it is that you have been with, living in for so long before you can take action, right? And it's really in that acceptance piece is where the real magic and the juice and the real work is, I think. And you're like, you're speaking my language, right? Because I think where most methodologies of change fail, Kate, is that most of them are behaviorally centered. Yes. Right. It's like, do this, do Do this and then you'll be fine. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Like here are your three steps. Do the right. Like take these three actions and your problems will be solved. Well, no. Right. Right. Like I I see that very much as short term change. Yeah. But I imagine, you know, many of the women you work with, many of the women I work with, like we're looking for long term, sustainable, embodied change. 
Yes. Right. The like that's like it's a visceral shift we're looking for. Yes. And it, and if we don't do right, if we do just the the you know, cognitive behavioral changes, right? They they can work. It's not that that's not it's not that that doesn't work. Period. End of story. Right. Because mm-hmm. sometimes there is an outside in way of working that that is a, that can be effective for for certain people. Mm-hmm. But I think you and I are sort of similar in that, like, we want to do the inner work. We want to do the inside, mm-hmm. the inside stuff, because if we don't get down to the roots of what's happening, that that shit just reflowers, right? The weeds just <laughs> reblow. That's it. Right. That's if it. you cut a weed off at the top, you're you still got weeds. Mm-hmm. And so doing the inside inner work. And so we're talking about mindset and reprogramming the brain, right? How does that work? Like how, mm-hmm. how, do, how do we do that? Yeah, it's such a great question. So when you think about how our brain is wired, we have what I would consider three layers of of thinking or cognitive structures. So at the the and I love that you use the analogy of the the weeds and that you know it'll just reflower, right? So mm-hmm. if if we stay with that analogy, think of it like a garden. At the very top, the weeds or the flowers, because we we all have both weeds and flowers in our cognitive garden. I'm just, I'm just going full on with this analogy, Kate, because you, 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 you threw it on the table. I'm picking it up. I'm running with it. Run so, with it. so, so we've all got both flowers and weeds in, you know, in our cognitive garden. So those are our thoughts. Those are the things that we are most often aware of. So there are things like, Oh, I, I look so fat today. Or, you know mm. what? I, I'm not, I'm going to say no to that opportunity. I'm too scared of it. Right. Or, or mm-hmm. whatever it is, right. It's, it's those, th- those thoughts that we're most aware of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. underneath those thoughts, if you look at, let's say the stems now, right. Of this garden, Mm -hmm. these flowers, we have underlying assumptions. So there are a set of assumptions that we make about ourselves, about our life, about relationships, about the world, right. Yes. Undergird our automatic thoughts could be things like people can't be trusted. Mm -hmm. The world is not a safe place. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Things, things never go my way. So then we've got these underlying assumptions that keep these either flowers or weeds blooming. We could mm-hmm. also have positive underlying assumptions, like I'm capable of really great things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? They're, the world yep. is full of opportunities. Those would blossom, blossom into beautiful flowers. Yes. Now, underneath the assumptions, underneath the soil, lying deep down inside of all of us are the roots of mm-hmm. all of this. And these are our core beliefs. Mm-hmm. And our core beliefs can either be limiting core beliefs, or they can be what I call in my work with women is high performance beliefs, mm. right? But these are the roots. These are those, those, and there's usually just a handful of them, mm. right? Mm-hmm. It could be, I'm, I'm really not good enough. Right. Right. I, I, I don't, I don't deserve good things in my life. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never be fully loved. Mm-hmm. Right. Like these are the yep. core, the, 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 the deep down beliefs that we have. Yep. So when, when we Absolutely. think about doing the deep inner work for me, reprogramming the brain is not only looking at the automatic thoughts, the underlying assumptions, but also digging up those core beliefs mm-hmm. and making sure that our work rests on a foundation of high performance beliefs. Yes. So, mm. <laughs> so I just want to sort of like, 
I also want to pull apart, right? Like these, these, the underlying assumption, underlying assumptions and core beliefs, right? So the mm-hmm. stems and the roots. Mm-hmm. Yep, stems are, and roots. I think that we have the the way that I look at it, and to correct, like tell me if this is in line with the way that you look at it too. I think that there's almost two buckets for each of these things. One of them is the templates, the relationship templates, the mapping, our childhood wounding, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But then we also have the cultural aspects, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And, you know, this is something that I talk about in my work ad nauseum. So my audience is, <laughs> they're like, here she goes. Um, <laughs> but living in a patriarchy, living under white supremacy, mm-hmm. all of these things, right? Th- mm-hmm. These have an impact. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do they well. ever, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's so, that this is why it's so layered, right? And this is why right. it's so complex. Right. This is why we can't just talk about the flowers and the weeds. We have to you talk about it. the stems and the roots. <laughs> you, like that's it. And listen, we could, we could talk about the flowers and the weeds, sure. but my worry is you'll be back in six months yeah. to talk again about the flower and the flowers and the weeds will never go away. Right. 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 You'll like, you'll never be able to predict more flowers in your garden without mm. really looking at what's undergirding the entire system. Yes. It's funny. I did a, I did a, a live inside my private Facebook group today, and I was mm-hmm. talking about this very thing, how emotion regulation is the foundation of better communication, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things I was yes. saying in my, my community is what I want for all of us and for your listeners as well, what I want for all of us is to not look at these skills as something on my, I don't know, my bookshelf or my cupboard that I pick up the moment before I'm about to have this really shitty conversation and I want to feel better about it. How I want us to all think about it is I want us to really think about embodying these internalizing Mm -hmm. the types of skills that we want and that we deserve to live life fully and unapologetically. Mm. right? That this, they become core to who we are. They become yes. part of the fabric of who we are. Yes. I mean, isn't that, isn't that everything? Everything, <laughs> right? It's everything. Like it still yes. gets me, right? Like I, I, you'll have to rein me in, but I could talk about it for hours, right? Like it, it's, that's the thing that gets me excited is yes. how do we really embody that level of transformation so that we are actually moving through the world differently? Yeah. And I think that for, for listeners who are like, so that feels completely like in like unattainable. That's a fantasy. I don't get it. Like it just doesn't doesn't compute, right? Mm-hmm. I will say that that was me. Mm-hmm. And it was me, yeah. 10, 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Yep. That, you know, I'm sure that for you too, Shamala, like we don't come to this work just out of like intellectual curiosity, <laughs> you know. No, we do not. (laughs) We come to this work through experience and then we, you know, we understand it better and then we get ourselves trained in it and then we go out and become professionals in it. Right. But Mm -hmm. we have walked this path. And so it is amazing to me how, when I, when I think about my earlier younger self and I, and I think about who I used to be and, and all of these, these core beliefs mm-hmm. and these underlying assumptions. Now I'm not saying I'm rid of them mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't, I don't believe that we're ever fully rid of all of that. Right. But they I don't no either. Yeah. Longer, mm-hmm. Yeah. They no longer are, they're no longer dominant. Yes. Right. They, they crop up, sure. but they're, but they're no longer controlling my entire way of being. 
And you know, if I could, and I want, like, I, I love what you're saying. I love this image. And I wonder if it's too, what happens is they still crop up, but now mm-hmm. you're like, oh, there you are. I know yes. you, right? Like right. you're familiar. I know who you are. And you get to make a choice around what you do when mm-hmm. that negative belief, that limiting belief crops up for you. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, the Center for Divorce Education. The Center for Divorce Education is an organization that provides separated parents with the tools and techniques necessary to navigate the difficult task of being a co-parent. They offer an online class called Children in Between, which can be completed from home in around four hours. To sign up for the class, visit divorce-education.com. Anyone who is co-parenting can benefit from the class, even if if it isn't court-mandated. If only one parent takes the class, it will still be beneficial to the relationship. Nearly half a million parents have taken this class in all 50 states and three foreign countries. Results from surveys have reported that 9 out of 10 parents say they would recommend children in between online to other parents. This course has been used and highly regarded by attorneys, judges, and clinical psychologists all over the nation. Sign up today on their website, divorce-education.com. Like, I think so many of us, like, I don't know about you, but like when I watched, what was that movie? The Something of the Spotless Mind. They go and get reprogrammed to forget mm. the love that, you know, their heartbroken, everything, and their heartbreak. And, and I, I remember watching that movie and being like, uh-huh, yeah, do that. Right. <laughs> I'll have one of those, please. I'll have one of those. <laughs> I, I would like, you know, I remember, I remember someone saying like, I was, I was going to do like a weekend program or something. And people were like, I think it's brainwashing. And I was like, good, <laughs> good. Sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> I, my brain needs to be washed. <laughs> so fine. So, I mean, how does this, how does this work? Yeah. How do we reprogram? Our brain. I love it. And I think, you know what, you've, you've alluded to some of the concepts already, this idea that Mm -hmm, these mm -hmm. limiting beliefs, they don't go away. They're still there. Mm -hmm. We can get to know them. We can become familiar with them. We can accept them and we can choose. Now, in order to be able to choose, we need to introduce what I call high performance beliefs. Like these are not mantras. It's not toxic positivity. It's not, you know what I mean? You You, just did a post about that yesterday. Please. And thank you for that. Thank you for that. (laughs) Cause that doesn't work, right? Like that just does not, it's so ineffective for long-term change. Uh, It might feel, might feel great in the moment, but for long-term change, not effective. And actually it can, it can actually create a lot, you know, there's a lot of negative impacts as well of spreading toxic positivity, but that's, that's, that's for another conversation, right? I was going to say it's sort of for another conversation, but it's also so incredibly (sighs) timely because I mean, I think one of the things to recognize about toxic, I'm going to, I'm going to take us on this little sidebar for a second. Let's do it. Let's just do it. But I think that one of the things about toxic positivity, and for those of you who don't know what it is, (laughs) do you want to explain what it is? Shemla. Yeah, it's sure. I absolutely can. And you could probably do a great job if you've you yeah. know, written a blog on it. But, you know, for me, toxic positivity is this idea that I, I think we're so often told that in order to be successful, in order to be happy, in order to be high performing, whatever it is that we are only allowed to have happy, positive, joyful Mm -hmm. sorts of thoughts and ideas. And we're only able to speak and exist in that energy. High vibes only. High vibes (laughs) only, right? Right. (laughs) And it's not only just 
not science. Like it's just not, there's no evidence to support that, but it's also just not, it's just not healthy. It's not not healthy, but but, right. Yes. And I think the, and the, and the, the other sort of the other piece of it is that it's actually, it's, it's, as we said, it's toxic because it is based in the commodification of women. It's based in the idea that if you just buy this program, then Mm. you'll be, then you'll be just like me. And if you just hustle hard enough, then you'll be just like me. But if you're not hustling just like me, who's usually a rich white woman with Mm. a lot of privilege and a lot of support, then, Mm -hmm. then there's something wrong with you. Right. And you are faulty. And so if you, so you should probably buy now buy this program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yep. And so it's this, it, it actually create, it feeds on our insecurities, but then also creates more of them. That's right. And that is so beautifully put. Yeah. Not only does it sort of feed on it and sort of like almost like prey on our insecurity, Mm -hmm. it just throws more fuel to the fire. Yep. Yes. So, okay. So, so that's not what we're talking about here. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about literally identifying in a very concrete Mm -hmm. and compassionate way, Mm -hmm. those beliefs that have probably been plaguing you Mm -hmm. for most of your life. Those beliefs that were developed at a very young age that, that were then reinforced through uh, your teen years, your early twenties, through those early relationships, right? Those beliefs like that, that maybe you've never even expressed or shared with anyone. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. I'm sure you've had that experience. You work with women and they're like, I've never told anybody that this is what I say to myself in my darkest moments. Sure. Right. Absolutely. And sometimes we don't even know. No, that's it. Right? Sometimes it takes, it takes a bit to get to the core of that negative messaging. Well, that's right. It. Cause we don't even, it's so ingrained in us that we don't even, we don't even, you know, when we start to hear the words and we're like, Oh shit. Mm. That is what mm-hmm, I function from. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny, Kate, is is often when I'm working with women and we're trying to uncover these core beliefs, that's exactly what they say. It's like, well, I, I don't know. Or they give me the the mm-hmm. the the flowers and the weeds. Like they give me the top, what's up on the yes. surface. And then mm-hmm. I'll, I'll often say, could it be that you tell yourself that there's no way anybody could accept you for all of who you are, good, bad, and ugly. Is, is, is that right. Po- right? And often I'll, I'll have to actually say it out loud. And then the look on their face, it's like, oh shit, how, how, mm-hmm. how did you know? Right. Or how did you write? Mm-hmm. Like how, yeah, how did totally, you? totally. And, and the reason I know is because I've had that thought too. Right. Like yeah. it's the, the, these core beliefs are often quite core to so many of us. Yes. And for so many reasons, for so many right? Reasons. For so many reasons, like for those of us that have body image issues, it's not just I have body image issues. I think that I am, you know, my body is disgusting right. as it is. Right. Right. And why is that? Because that's because let's look at, you know, Khloe Kardashian, yes. you know, this recent thing with her, like I finally looked it up and I was looking at that picture and I was like, oh my God, wouldn't it be amazing if that was the body that the Kardashians showed us all the time? Mm. Like, wouldn't mm. that, like, it's perfect. Right, it's beautiful. Right. It's human. It looks like mine. Right. But when we see airbrushing and Photoshopping 24 seven, of course we look in the mirror and think that we're just, well, that's it. <laughs> like, that's it. Right? Well, and this is the, the like, complexity that you are referencing, uh-huh. right? This is the layering. 
on of yeah. how do our yeah. how do these beliefs how is it that we carry these where do they come from and there's so many factors and once we've identified mm-hmm. it then the reprogramming part for me is the retraining retraining our thinking right retraining yes. but really retraining how we see ourselves yeah. and what we choose to influence the way we see ourselves mm-hmm. right whether that's mm-hmm. social media right. you know another person's opinion yes. mm-hmm. right yeah. What I say to myself, like all of these pieces are part of the retraining process. Yes. I love it. I think we could go, we could, we could stay in the reprogramming and mindset um, aspect forever, but I want to, I want to move on to communication. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because, Let's go there. Oh, uh, because this is another one that I think you and I can geek out on for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea of assertive communication for women is so difficult and convoluted and complex. Yes. So yeah, Yeah, let's Let's talk talk about about that. Right. So communication for Mm -hmm. me is sort of the second piece, which then is becomes the bridge to the third piece, which is relationship management. And what I'll say, I'll kind of touch on both of them in a way is, is, you know, what I realized, I think about probably a, a decade ago is that most of us, most of us really struggle in our relationships because we've never really been taught how to be in one right? We've never been taught. And for women in particular, one thing we are certain, not only are we not taught, but we're taught to do the opposite as assertive communication, right? As women, we're not taught that we have the right and the responsibility to communicate openly and directly and assertively. We're we're actually taught to do the opposite. We're taught to right. suppress, <laughs> right? <laughs> to repress, yeah. to to not rock the boat, to play nice, to be a good girl, to care for everybody else's needs, to people please. We're taught the very opposite of what is actually effective in relationships, what actually breeds healthy, high-performance relationships. We're taught to do the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what we're taught also is the very thing that will absolutely skyrocket our anxiety. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so what are we taught? We're taught, well, I think we're taught two kind of polar opposites, right? That assertiveness is also the opposite of, right? We're, but we're taught like pass, passivity, yes. right? Or, you know, meekness, quiet, mm-hmm. like, don't, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I, I don't, I, I just, I just wanted to, all of that. Mm-hmm. Or we've been taught that the opposite of that mm-hmm. is aggression. You got it. She's a bitch. Yep. yep. And that's, that's exactly it. You know, when I, when I coach women around, around this particular aspect in this particular piece is we look at the, the different communication styles, assertive being mm-hmm. the one that is, is the only effective one. Let's yes. be clear on that. And then the the other mm-hmm. three passive style you've mentioned, the mm-hmm. aggressive style. And then mm-hmm. my absolute personal favorite to work with is the yeah. passive aggressive style. Passive aggressive. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. That's the right, because that's the one that masquerades as assertive, mm-hmm. but is actually completely right. It's it's the it's the one that like people who are new to management might use, right? Yes, <laughs> like, you got it. Yes. It's the, right. It's the, it's the one that we, we pretend mm-hmm. is assertive, but yes. is really yeah. not. We feel like we're mm-hmm. being super professional, super tactful, super, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's passive aggressive. 
It is, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is trying to manipulate an outcome without ever yes. directly asking for it. Yes, exactly. People, people who are in my program will recognize this style. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we have, we've, or this, this, this foursome here, we have, there, I have a module on it in my program yeah. as well. So <laughs> this is, yes. And all of these, the other, th- the three, yeah. right. So passive, aggressive, aggressive, and passive, right. They all have built into them uh-huh. an imbalance of power. 100%. At the un- yeah. at the end of the day, what undergirds all three of these toxic styles of communication is, is fear and anxiety. Like if we could boil it down, right? If we were to like mm-hmm. get like, okay, what's the, what's the core emotional driver here? It's mm-hmm. fear, right? It's fear and anxiety yeah, that really do exactly. drive those those styles, whether it's mm-hmm. fear of conflict, avoidance of conflict, f- like, you know, I'm not going to get my needs met. I, you know, no one's ever going to listen to me, whatever it is. It's, it's, it's a fear, mm-hmm. they're fear-based styles of communication. And that's why, you know, to go back, we work on the mindset piece because that's what allows us to actually overcome our fears and our anxieties. Yes. I love this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love this. Uh, This is yes. And this is the wheelhouse. Yeah. Right. This is the bridge, right? Communication skills become the bridge to the final pillar of care that I use, which is relationship management skills. How do we actually Mm -hmm. navigate, negotiate and renegotiate our relationships, our boundaries? Yes. Right. And, and, and yes, and you cannot, you cannot have boundaries without assertive communication. No, you cannot. Because if you're setting a boundary from a place of fear or anxiety, it's it's not going to work no. because boundaries, as I always say, mm-hmm. they are yours, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? It is your boundary. Mm-hmm. So you have to have this, have the sense of self to be able, right? The mindset, yep. the, right? Yep. You've got to have the sense of self to be able to know that what you're asking for is okay. Mm-hmm is acceptable mm-hmm. regardless of how the other person perceives it. Yes. You have to be able to communicate it in a way that is not negotiable. Yes. And then you have to be able to hold it and repeat it when when the other person doesn't like it and pushes against it. Well, this is the crux of it, right? You just you mm-hmm. nailed it as setting the boundary is one. I always say, you know, like I don't know if this is good news or bad news, but setting the boundary is the easier part of the work. It's maintaining the boundary that that's where we really yeah. got to roll up our sleeves and and now we're going to get into the muck. Because you're going to set that boundary. And what is that other person going to do? They're not going to respect it. Like, wouldn't it be great if all of our, our, everyone we knew was a boundary lover, but that's just, just not true. Right. I I have boundary (laughs) lovers in my life, but I have a lot of boundary haters in my life. The the thing about, about setting a boundary with other people is that that they mostly don't like them. Oh no, they don't Like, like them. They mostly don't like to have a boundary lover in your life. I mean, that would be to have someone where you say, Hey, I need to set a boundary around this. And they're like, Oh, Okay, mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. I'm and respect them. They've done a lot of work. They have a high level of emotional. I was just going right? to say that the only boundary lovers in my life are yeah. the people that are on the same journey as I am. Right, like exactly. I, I'm fortunate enough to have yeah. like my team. Right, we we do this for a living, yeah. so they're all they're boundary boundary lovers. We don't always the boundary is not always what's the word I'm looking for. Like it's not always like convenient. 
sure. when somebody sets a boundary with me, but I can respect the fact that they have had the courage and the integrity to be honest with me and set the boundary. Exactly. Right. But, exactly. but most people yes. know you're right, because if, if you need to set a boundary, it's probably because this other person has been doing something speaking a certain way, whatever it is that, that really worked for them, but it was at your cost. Right. Right. Something that you didn't like. That's right. That's <laughs> right. right. Something, exactly. right. right. So, so there's mostly, you're going to have boundary people who don't like boundaries That's right. in your That's life. Right. Boundary pushers, to- right? Like they're not going to, they're like, forget that they're not going to agree. They're not, they're not going to respect it. They're probably going to push back on that boundary. So yep. the ability to then maintain and reinforce that boundary time and time again, Mm-hmm. That's the hard work, right? That's where you really have to rely on your mindset and your communication skills. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. That's <laughs> what I have to say about that. I have to say yes. So how how do you when you talk when you work with boundaries and how do you have how do you work with them? Like how what's your what's your sort of I don't want to say formula because mm. that's formulaic. And I don't think we believe in formulas, but um, what's your strategy with that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, like, I think for me, you're right. It's not, it's not about a formula. It's more of like a sort of philosophy. How do we think really what I want to do is shift the way that we think about relationships, mm-hmm. right. And what makes mm-hmm. a good relationship, mm-hmm. what makes a healthy relationship? How do I want to be in my, who do I want to be in my relationships? And one of mm-hmm. the two words that I use again and again and again is courage and integrity, right? Like, We want to show up in our relationships from a place of courage and integrity, right? We want to have the integrity to remain aligned with our values. Mm -hmm. And we want to have the courage to actually be able to express those values. And those, Mm -hmm. you know, those get expressed in Mm -hmm. requests and needs and desires and boundaries and all all of the things, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that for me is, are the guiding principles, if you will, of, of the work. And I love that you said it's not formulaic. It is, it is unique to every individual. We are, every single one of us is in a, is a, in a different place when it comes to that work. And that's why the work really is, needs to be personalized. It really needs to be kind of where you're at now. But if I were to say, you know, how do I, how do I ultimately coach women through that process? I would say one of the biggest mindset shifts that I want women to make is showing up in your relationships with courage and integrity has nothing to do with the outcome, right? Like Mm. if, yeah, let's say more about that. Thank you for asking because it's, I'm so passionate about this part and this was the biggest shift for me to practice and to really get my head wrapped around. I used to have, I used to say to myself, okay, well, listen, here's the outcome I want. Here's what I want. Here's how I want it to go. And so if I think Mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to get that, Mm -hmm. then I'll have the conversation. If I, like, uh, this is full transparency, you know, (laughs) and if if it's not going to go my way, well, then like, what the hell's the point? Like, I'm not going to even bother. I'll just, maybe there's some other way I can get my need met. Right. And I would revert to passive aggression or I would revert to like, how can I be, can I manipulate the outcome? Can I, cause I need, right. It was so, so that's how I deter, like, that's how I made choices in my relationships around how I was going to show up. Mm. And, and it's incredibly disempowering and it felt really shitty. 
right? Like I was like, sure. you know, no, no, no integrity in that, no sense of alignment, right? With, with who, who I yeah. wanted to, sh- how I wanted to show up in the world. And so if I, if there was one guiding principle, I could leave your listeners with, right? If there's one guiding principle is I would say, if you could let go of the outcome, if the outcome actually did not influence how you showed up, right? What choices would you make? How would you, right? Mm. Who would you be? What would you say? What would you do if you could? Yes. Conversations conversations would you have? What boundaries Mm -hmm. would you set? What standards Mm -hmm. would you have for Mm -hmm. your life? Right. What, like, you, you know what I'm saying, Kate? Like, like who, what, 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 yes, what, what would I you do, do, do if the, if the outcomes didn't yeah. matter? And here's the thing guys mm-hmm. is the outcomes. I get it. The outcomes do matter. We care about the outcomes. I still care about the outcomes of my conversations. I care if someone's going to respect my boundary or not, but here's the truth is I can't control them. I can't, I could, I, I never had control over the outcomes anyway. It was just a, a, a stupid lie. I was telling myself. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. It was it a went fluke. Your way. It was a fluke. Yeah. Like, like, I, like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a magic wand. Like you know what I mean? Right. Like so. Right. So the outcomes mm-hmm. they matter, but we can't control them anyway. So why don't we? Why don't mm-hmm. we actually lean into those difficult conversations? Right. Lean into those those difficult places with the courage and the integrity to show up fully and unapologetically. Why don't we just try it? I love it. Right? Right. Right. Cause like, because the, what's the alternative? The alternative is you don't have yes. the conversations That's right. and you just get more and of you the same. Your, well, and, and resentment. And, and I yes. believe, mm-hmm. I actually believe what we're mm-hmm. talking about, Kate. And again, another, another time, another conversation, but I believe that when we don't show up with courage and integrity, I believe this is the number one reason that women are diagnosed with all sorts of mental health. I, I actually believe women are overdiagnosed with depression and anxiety simply because we have not been taught how to navigate our relationships. Girl. Yeah. Girl. This is let's Preach. let's just reach. Yeah. But, but that's a whole, that's a whole, that could, I could go on for an hour about that, but I really think maybe we'll have you come back to do that because oh, I'd, I'd love that. I'd yeah. Love I think that. we should do that because I think that, yeah, that's, that, that should be a part two because yes, because when we hold all of that stuff in, when we are acting in out of alignment mm-hmm. with our values, with our own integrity and with our own courage, you know, as you say, mm-hmm. we are, it, it toxifies in our system. You got it. Right. Yep. When we yep. don't say what we need to say, when we don't honor ourselves and our own truths and our own values we, we become resentment machines and resentments Mm. are toxic. It's a, it's a slogan, but it is a reality that holding onto a resentment is like drinking poison and having, and hoping Mm -hmm. the other person will die. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we, it's us, we are, we are, we poison ourselves and the result of that poison, it's not just metaphorical, it's actually chemical in our bodies. I believe it is. I really believe it. I I truly believe that that relationship distress is the single greatest predictor of mental health distress in women. In women, I think you're. I think you're right. I have had multiple threads in my in my private Facebook group where women have listed all of their health 
issues, whether they're physical or mental that have Mm -hmm. evaporated when they have left their toxic relationships. I believe it wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly believe it. Yep. hundred percent, hundred percent. Oh my gosh, Shamala, we really could talk forever. And I do want to have you come back and have this other conversation, but in the meantime, (laughs) where can people find you? Yeah, I have a couple of places where I really like to hang out. And listen, I'm in my 40s, social media, like I didn't grow up with this stuff, yep. but I've learned to really appreciate the connections that can be built mm-hmm. if we use social media intentionally. And so I, I do like to hang out on Instagram. I think, Kate, you'll probably connect people there because it's a, mm-hmm. my, I've got a long name. It's dr.shamalakiru. Kate will give you the spelling for that in the show notes. It's all in the show notes. Yep. It's all in the show notes. And then I've got an amazing private Facebook community just for women. We, we talk all day, every day about emotional intelligence skills specific to relationship management. That is called the EQ Lab. And I believe we're going to link up a freebie mm-hmm. for your audience as well. I run quite often, probably every eight, eight weeks or so, I run a free five-day live training and coaching event inside my private group called the Courageous Intimacy Bootcamp. And I would love to see anyone listening inside of that, inside of that free coaching event. It is such a transformative experience. Excellent. Highly recommend you guys. Shamala, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your incredible wisdom. I adore you. I think we are we are now soul sisters. We are officially, officially soul sisters. <laughs> totally. <laughs> thank you so much. I so appreciate you coming on and talking to us. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Kate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at The Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.